This is the Ed Milet Show. Welcome back to Max Out, everybody. Today's going to be good. Um, this guy's a friend of mine. I've never done an interview where I'm in my home and someone's in their helicopter, but we're going to do that today. Now, you <laughs> said Max Out. He's maxing out. He's at the top of a mountain. Interesting man. A really interesting man. And it's going to be a really interesting conversation because he's an entrepreneur. He's a TV personality known from the Diesel Brothers. Uh, he's an innovator. He's a father. He's a man of faith. He's a personal development addict like I am. And, uh, and he's also, we're going to talk a little about innovation, technology, the environment. So listen to this entire interview or watch the entire interview because we're going to go all over the place with my friend Dave Sparks, or Heavy D. So Dave, welcome to the program, brother. Good to have you. Dude, Ed, it's about damn time, man. <laughs> we would try and right before COVID, something scheduled, and anyway. One thing after another. But everything happens for a reason. Timing is everything, and, and I, I think there's a, there's a reason why we're doing it now. I agree with you. Speaking of that, you're leading right in. How are you dealing with this business-wise, with COVID? <laughs> is there any things you've developed or strategies you've done that are any different than non-COVID times you'd share with everybody? Yeah, Ed, let me tell you the biggest thing for me and my family at first, you know, the way that we were handling this situation and then it started to spread into, you know, my company is common sense. This is all about common sense. This is all about what does your gut tell you? You know, are you, are you, are you following the guidelines just to follow guidelines? Or are you going with what your gut's telling you you need to be doing as far as your own well-being, your family safety? So I've seen people on both ends of this, right? They've, there's people who have just completely shut their whole life down. And then there's people who think it's a total conspiracy and don't believe in it at all. I fall, I find, I fall my, you know, kind of right in the middle there. But I found that the only way to keep a level head is by just business as usual as much as you possibly can. And then that's when it comes to the point where you need to use common sense. Am I sick? Am I going to hurt somebody? Am I going to affect somebody in a negative way? You know what? If I am, I'm going to change my plans. Otherwise, you got to stay business as usual. You can't. We've worked too hard to get turned upside down and have everything shook out at this point. I agree with you, man. I probably land about where you land too. You know, I know I don't know. And so I want to be respectful of other people's health and well-being. Same time, I have an obligation to win, to inspire, to grow my companies. And I'm worried, you know, last month, a third of all Americans didn't even make their mortgage payment. Yeah. One third, man. I mean, that's a scary statistic, you know, and that's with some stimulus, with some yeah. people, you know, I wonder this fall where we're going. So it's guys like you that are so important for people to be listening to right now. A lot of you know who Dave is, but if you don't, I mean, he's really winning in multiple areas. And I was like, I got to know a little bit more. because I know this version of you. So I looked into your background, man. I prep for every show. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's impressive to me and interesting because I think it might be easy for someone to slough off your success and think, well, this dude just comes from a perfect family. Obviously, you're a very religious guy. We'll talk about that later. But I started to learn about your mom and dad. And yeah. uh, both interested me a lot, particularly, I think, how your dad made an impact on you. And I don't always go into people's backgrounds, but I think it's telling about you. First thing is... I was struck to hear that back in the day, your mom and dad bought some Tony Robbins tapes. And, and they were already trying to improve themselves. But tell them a little bit about dad's health struggles, almost losing him, then losing him, and how that impacted your family, and maybe how it, how it speaks to who you are now. Man, that's crazy. I, I, I expected just about anything except for that, and I love it. Uh, because I don't get a chance to talk about uh, my dad nearly as much as I feel like I should. He he passed away from a brain tumor in 2007. Um, 
but that was after he had lived 20 years longer than he should have uh, by miraculously recovering from his first brain tumor pretty much right when I was born. In fact, uh, I said this on Andy's podcast a while back, but when I was born, my dad and mom made these VHS tapes of um, my dad introducing himself to us because the doctors told him he had weeks left to live from his brain tumor and he was going to die. And so they, they had made all these tapes for each kid that I was supposed to watch when I was older. Of, you know, this is how I was going to meet my dad because he was going to be gone. Um, miraculously recovered and went on to have just, have you ever seen the movie Big Fish? It's about a couple of old men who told big fish stories and everybody yeah. thinks that they're always lying. Yes. Yes. So that's my dad's life to a T. We, we, he would tell these stories and we're just like, you did not end up in jail in Mexico for hitting somebody's pig. And then turns out there's a mugshot of him in Mexico for like everything that he told us. So, you know, my dad, every time he would get up, he would just get drop kicked to the ground again by health issues. Just one thing after another, um, this, this tumor and the strokes and everything that he had, um, you know, affected him his whole life, but he just never would get down. He would, he would, he would, he would bounce back up, Ed. I'm telling you, this guy was so quick to recover from these negative things that as a kid, I'm watching, I'm thinking nothing, nothing can hurt us. You know, my, my dad, look what he's doing. We're invincible. You know, my dad's the energizer bunny. And then, you know, ultimately as he got older, he did end up dying, but my whole childhood, I watched my dad just get his ass kicked and get right back up. And so, some of that's got to be inside me somewhere, obviously. And, and that's how I've approached everything, man. My, 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 my approach to life is your worst case scenario really isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, when I watch you, I love that approach. There's a, um, and I don't mean overplay it, but there's a goodness about you that comes through your spirit, bro. Like Thank you. A, a positivity, a goodness. I think people underestimate that. I had Maria Menounos on a few weeks ago and she just smiles a lot. People think, well, yeah. that's not, that's a ridiculous life strategy. No, it actually is a real thing. And there's a thing about you where I think people like and root for you based on that spirit. I always wondered, wonder if a little of that came from his old man. Also, you know, another element I've noticed in you is you're a worker, dude. And it, wasn't your dad like doing multiple things? That, like you guys were homeless for a while, right? Like you dude, I, Yeah, we, we lived in a VW uh, van for like six weeks because here's the deal. My dad was a Green Beret. And he was in like the top one percentile of, of, of military uh, service members as far as like fitness and stuff. Dude was kicking ass. And then out of nowhere, he gets his brain tumor. And so from there, um, he got medically discharged and spent a lot of time out in Walter Reed Hospital. Um, in fact, I was born in uh, Cumberland, Maryland, where we, they were stationed at the hospital for a while. I only lived there for six weeks until my family moved back to Utah. But during those six weeks, they were in a van. And they were just, that was life. And my dude, my my mom and my, my dad installed car stereos and delivered uh, Domino's pizza when he was sick and he couldn't work anywhere else. And then when he got too sick from chemotherapy, my mom would then go out and deliver his pizzas and install the car stereos for him when he was at home, you know, basically just writhing in pain from chemotherapy. And uh, that's how they did it, man. My mom, they, neither of them have had, therm, you know, um, formal educations and they just made it happen. That just blows my mind. I, everybody, just listen to what you're hearing. Maybe you're going through one of these moments. You know, maybe you're borderline homeless right now. Maybe you don't yep. come from the, you know, sounds like you got a great family, but you know what I mean? Like the perfect nuclear family where everything's in peace all the time. And I think it's funny, man. I, your dad created, created this environment where you felt safe, but at the same time, you knew he was sick. I meet a lot of successful people, and I had this with my dad's drinking, like almost an advantage that there was anxiety or not certainty all the time as a kid. I don't, 
I feel like that's been a catalyst for me to create certainty in my life to some extent. Do you know what I mean? Do you think you have a little Dude, bit of I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you anymore on that statement. When I, I've told the story before where long story short, me and my brothers and sisters wanted the trampoline really bad. It's all we wanted. And mom and dad didn't have the money for it. So we got together and said, we're going to mow lawns. We're going to do this. We're going to do all these different things. And uh, we're going to save up. I think it's $200 that we needed for a trampoline back in the nineties. Um, and we, we got there, we were almost there. We, we were just shy of 200 bucks. And one day I went to go put the final $5 in there and the money was gone. And I was like, that's weird. Where did that, where did that go? And I, and I went to my mom and just said, mom, what happened to the trampoline money? And she said, I needed it for groceries. And like, just, she just thought out how to just, you know, tell me. And she wasn't, she was just very matter of fact about it. And, and I remember thinking in that moment, that was literally the moment where I was like, nah, I'm not going to play this game when I'm older. I don't want, I don't want to do this. I don't want to see that. I don't want to have the pain in my eyes that my mom just showed me. And that was, man, I was seven years old, but from that moment on, I've been successful. Dude. I love this. I knew we were, I knew it was gonna be good, but I didn't know it was gonna be this good this early. <laughs> because people see him. Oh, by the way, he's also a monster truck driver. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> so we're a world record holder. World record holder. Yeah. TV star. Built this huge social media brand. I mean, guys, there's a lot here. And like I we're gonna go everywhere. So I'm just gonna go where I wanna go with you. So we're gonna go forward, backwards, everywhere. But Let like, me start by saying this real quick, Ed. One, one thing I want to say is the reason why I'm sitting here in my helicopter, uh, I was out flying around before this interview, and I thought, you know what? I could go back to the shop where I could land right here and show the whole world, you know, everybody who follows Ed Milet, that if a guy as untalented and as dumb as me can be flying around in a helicopter in my backyard, then literally every single one of you has hope. That's, that's honestly, that's a big deal for me because I'm not, if, you know, out of 10 people in a room, I am the ninth on the smart list. Like, you know, I am, I am not the smartest guy in any room, but I Dave, just want to show people on the list. Brad, what are you the one? So you're saying smarts, not self-confidence. Whoa. That's it. That, if you, Ed, if you told me, if you told me I had to find out, if you told me I couldn't find a way to fly to the moon tomorrow, I would, I would tinker all night long until I found a way to do it. I mean, that's just, I will do anything. That's, 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 People look at me and they're like, man, that's scary. You've got too much confidence. And yeah, maybe so. But you know what? It's brought me a whole lot more good than bad in my life. In fact, I can't think of anything bad that's brought me. And so that's it. It's rooted in your, your confidence that you'll just do the work required. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you mean? It's rooted in my confidence that no matter what happens, I'm going to get what I want. No matter how it has to happen. No matter, I, don't, I, don't do, I don't think about the process. I am a terrible process guy. I'm the end result guy. And whatever it takes to get there, I get there. My brain just doesn't, I always tell people I'm too dumb to be able to calculate risk. I just, I don't, I don't know how to do it. When somebody says, look at this, a risk analysis for this business, whatever it is, I'm like, well, just go do it. And then you'll be fine. Okay. So speaking of that, I already feel like we're early and I'm like, I know I'm going to want more time. So <laughs> um, you see business there. Dave's had all kinds of success, guys. We're going to talk about some of the elements of that. But I'm going to fast forward to now because I'm just personally curious because I want to buy one from you. I'm yeah. going to pronounce it wrong, but I want you to – you're an innovator now. Little, you know, yeah. monster truck dude or a diesel brother, you know, obviously you love to get your hands dirty and work with your hands and create things. But I think you've moved now into, like, modern cutting-edge technology too with this – is it Nicola or Nicola, the badger that you're a part of right now? Yeah, so it's it's Nikola, Nikola. Electric truck. I mean, this is nuts. So tell them about. You know what? I'm going to take a drink before this one because this is. I'm going to get long-winded right here because this is something I'm really excited about. Okay. So 
Ed, Nikola is obviously Nikola Tesla, right? Tesla's got his last name. We got his first name. Okay. Um, it wasn't necessarily a rebuttal one to the other either because both companies are, I mean, Tesla's three or four years older than Nikola, but it was really just, it was, you know, honoring Nikola Tesla. The dude was a, a genius. Um, and so that's where that came from. But Nikola was a company that was uh, formed by a buddy of mine uh, named Trevor Milton. And Trevor and I know each other from way back before I even met my wife. We used to go to these big, um, you know, singles parties down in Lake Powell and just go have a great time. And we've been buddies ever since. And I've watched him just grind away over the years. And he's failed at multiple businesses. He's went bankrupt. He lost a bunch of friends and family's money. Um, you know, every story you can think of that's happened to an entrepreneur has happened to him. Okay. Well, flash, you know, fast forward to this time last year and Nicola started to pick up a lot of momentum as far as um, an electric semi truck company building electrics, you know, haul trucks for Budweiser. And, you know, this morning we just announced that we've got a 5,000 order, uh, 5,000 truck order for electric garbage trucks. So no more loud, you know, diesel garbage truck in your driveway. Um, and so Trevor came to me about six months ago, a little longer than that. He's like, Hey, um, we got to solve a problem with pickup trucks. And this was right after the Cybertruck came out. And he and I kind of approached each other at the exact same time. Like, dude, did you see this? Like, what's happening here? Now, let me, let me preface this by saying Elon's a genius. I love what Elon's done. He, he runs an amazing business. There's never going to be another Elon Musk. Um, the Cybertruck isn't a truck man's truck. It's a, it's a Tesla guy's truck. And so we saw that and we're like, man, there's a giant opportunity here. Jumped in. Um, went, we did roughly 10 years worth of work in about four months to be able to design and prepare this truck and then launched it in February and started taking reservations for it in um, just last month. And we are, let's just say it's doing really well. The, the truck is, the reservations are off the, off the charts. And the reason why is because, like I said before, it's a truck built for truck people by truck people. It's not a truck built for truck people by Tesla. And so that's the difference is we actually use trucks and I won't put my name on it unless I can take this thing out and just absolutely beat the crap out of it and prove that it's going to do what a contractor needs it to do and then take his wife out on a date on Friday and then go to church on Sunday. Because trucks are people's lives. Blue Collar America, it is your life, your office, your apartment, your home away from home. Um, and a lot of guys live in their trucks. And so it's, it's not a car. You got to forget that. Yeah. It's not a car. A man's truck is, 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 it's like his dog. You know, it's his best friend. And so um, there's a lot of people that felt like they were left out of the electric, electric truck market with the cyber truck concept. Um, and so we came in and the main difference between our truck and the cyber truck is we have, we use hydrogen power as well. So I'm a big believer in hydrogen fuel, not in the sense that you would burn it in an engine, but in the sense that you can create uh, electricity by passing hydrogen through a membrane and it's literally just generating electricity. And all the byproduct is, is vapor, just steam. So hydrogen fuel is coming a long ways. Technology is coming a long ways. So basically our truck right now can go 300 miles on a battery and then go an additional 300 miles using an eight kilogram uh, hydrogen fuel cell, basically a small like barbecue propane tank. Um, and the truck will go 600 miles. And the difference is, have you ever driven, you've driven a golf cart when the batteries get low? Yes. You know exactly that feeling of it's lagging. There's no response left. You know your batteries are dying. Yeah. So that's what happens with, you know, Tesla's. As your battery starts to get weak, especially with the truck, let's say you were to go climb El Cajon Pass with a trailer, yeah. with an electric truck, forget about it. It's not going to be able to handle it because the battery cannot keep up. That's where the hydrogen fuel cell steps in and basically supplements the battery. And so guys can go on long hauls with heavy loads up steep hills with their electric truck, and they'll do it just fine. And they're not going to get passed. In fact, they're going to be passing people because this thing has a thousand horsepower. 
Yeah, you guys hear that? 900 to 1,000 horsepower. You guys know why I wanted Dave on? Because you got this dude, he's got the beard, he's got the muscle shirt on, he's flying around a helicopter. He seems like this real blue collar dude. Now you're finding out like, you're talking on the cutting edge of technology, by the way, environmentally sound technology as well. He's a super interesting dude. And then, so I want to skip around. That's a little bit of your business piece. We'll probably come back to it. The other thing you've done, everyone listening to this would like to grow their social media. Yeah. Everybody would. You're a beast on social media. And you've had some strategies that have worked. Like, it's not just because you have the show. So, like, is, it, is the giveaway strategy something other people should be considering? Like, what has been some of the – undo the secrets, dude. You never cover this stuff. What is one of the secrets of building a multi-million dollar following for you on social? Just what worked? Just keep this in mind on social. What you think isn't going to work is probably what's going to work. Um, with all these different posts and videos and everything like that, I posted, I posted a little a video a month or so ago of me teaching my little girl how to shoot an AR-15. I wanted her to learn gun safety and, you know, this wasn't a, it wasn't a political post. It wasn't anything. It was just saying, Hey, this is how me and my family spend time together. Look at my eight year old daughter handling this rifle, you know, safely. And I put it up thinking, you know, friends, family, whatever. I might get a couple hundred thousand views, which is low on my page. Next thing you know, this thing's like spiking over a million views overnight. And I'm just like, what is happening? I did not expect this, but you know what it is? It's because people just want to relate to you. They just want to feel like they could be with you for a day or, or be somebody like you. And I think a lot of these high profile social media pages, don't get me wrong. They grow well, but they become so disconnected. And I think this is why a lot of big, big celebrities like Hollywood A-listers don't do well on social media is because they're not used to being relatable. They want to be as far separated from the fan or the viewer as possible. And so the more relatable you are, the more yourself you are, the more people just they thrive on it. You see some of the crazy vlogs and videos and things that go popular and, and people just can't get enough of. And you watch it and you're like, there's nothing really special to this. It's just a person who I actually enjoy watching and engage with. And I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm hanging out with a friend. And so that's what I want people to feel like when they follow me on, on social media and Instagram that I want them to feel like a friend or a family member. And that's kind of the way my page is. I've got a lot of people that are just, they know my kids' names. And yeah. that's, that to me is saying something, you know, it shows that they believe in who I am and, you know, I give them the respect and, and dignity that I can when obviously communicating with them. And it's, it's, it, it works that way. But if you want to accelerate your growth, right? First step one, be yourself, be relatable. Step two, give people a reason, give them a reason. Get, just, don't ask them to do something for you. Give them a reason to do something for you. I mean, that's, that's it. That's you go out there. And so that's why these giveaways will take a prize or a concept or something or an experience. That's my favorite thing in the world. My, and just so you know, my world revolves around creating experiences for people. That's that is, that is my ultimate form of happiness. You know, nothing, nothing else gets me as excited as giving somebody else a helicopter ride for the first time. I mean, for me, that's just the way that I enjoy it. I, I, I really, really enjoy doing that. And so that's where, you know, we've offered people these, these prizes and experience and things like that. And they feel like, okay, this is mutually beneficial. They know yeah. that I'm going to eventually sell them a product or a server. So I'm going to promote a company or I'm going to do something like that. But they know that it's been a two way road. Yeah. It's not just me asking, asking or selling, selling it's, Hey, you know what? Loyal followers. I like you guys. You're great. Here's 10 free, you know, whatever it is for no reason. That's mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that if you can get into and you can do it regularly, 
I mean, you do it really well on your page. Your engagement is through the roof, but that's because you guys go on there, you go on there and you sit there. I mean, that's how you and I first commu started communicating. You're responding to people's DMs, even though there's so many frustrating, stupid messages that you have to sift through to get to some, some something, you know, somebody who's being sincere. So, um, you know, I think that's, if you can remember those principles, you're going to dominate on social. So I watched yours and learned. And so I want to go to someone listening to this. I just want to say what Dave said for those of you that have 2,000 followers right now. You're like, well, how do I do that? Maybe they don't want to be me. I want you to hear what Dave does. Dave's page has a lot to do with reciprocity, meaning like he just gives and gives and gives and gives. And then he almost doesn't have to have a call to action because he's built such a loyal following. So like there's a lady in my financial company right now. She's got a few thousand followers. And I said, start to do things where you can give value. So she said, hey, if you comment or tag somebody or DM or, you know, my post, I'll give you a budget analyzer. It's just a free thing. It, was nothing, it, it wasn't a nothing. It was of value. But for her, it didn't cost anything. And it right. upped her engagement, right? And then she actually got business for her financial company by giving away the free budget analyzer. So I'm trying to get you all to think. If I was a fitness trainer, you know, DM me for a diet on losing three pounds in a week or DM me for muscle building, DM me for weight gain, DM me for shredding. And some tool, some analyzer, some gift that ups your engagement if they do something else. So I just think Dave's really good at that. And, and he also, when you watch his page, you do feel like you know him and you're going on some of these experiences and journeys with him too. He does a lot of what I call documenting his life. And yeah, his life is probably a little bit more interesting than everybody else's. But I also think people start to like to follow you. Just what's going on with your kids. Document your existence. So Dave is super good at that. I just want to acknowledge that before we kind of shift gears. Thank you, you said something about church on Sunday. And I didn't know I was going to go there with you, but it's part of you. I want, by the end of this hour, they go, okay, a dude grows up. He's got a sick dad most of his life, a wonderful family, but dad's delivering pizzas. Mom's helping install car audio, car, car stereos. Not a lot of stability there. Says he's not got the highest IQ in the world. He's become one of the most high-profile celebrity entrepreneurs in his lane and now he's creating new lanes how the heck does this happen and so i think part of it when i think of dave i think of his personal development because he's friends with andy he's friends with me he's into that stuff that's been an element he's told you self-confidence is a key we've covered his social media and i think your faith is part of it and so if we could talk about a minute dave's mormon you did a mission did you not did you go on a mission for your church i did yeah uh that is no. funny real quick i when I first started listening to you, I, I wasn't 100% sure your background. I just started listening. You and Lewis Howes are two guys that I thought, like, after the first couple episodes, I got, are these guys Mormon? These yeah, guys might I be that. Mormon. Yeah, I that <laughs> you, you, you live a very clean lifestyle, and that's what, obviously, Mormonism was all about. And that's what I went on my mission to teach about. The, the insight that my let's not a Mormon is the tequila sitting behind my head here right <laughs> now. But other than that, that's usually the giveaway. One of the things I love is the transformation that I watch these young people go through. I was going to say men, but it's not just men anymore. That they, they go through on their mission. Most of them go away boys and come back men. I want you to talk about it because from two perspectives, everyone's going, well, I'm not Mormon. My kid's not going on a Mormon mission. No, I'm talking about challenging the young people in your life. If you're young being challenged, if you're young or have young people doing something of complete unselfish sacrifice, and how that can transform a young person's life. So would you discuss that experience and what it did for you? So 
my whole life, I thought, you know, I, I heard stories about my mom and dad. They both, they both went on missions to Germany and I thought, well, that's just who I am. That's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to be a missionary. And, um, that's ultimately, you know, as a, as a young Mormon, that's what most of us think. Oh. We, we just assume that we're going to go serve a mission. And then when it comes time, when you're 19 years old, all of a sudden packing up and leaving and not having a girlfriend and having no money and having no phone and going to a country you've never been to before, man, that's like, all right, well, am I sure I want to do this? Because I could either start my life or I could go put my life on hold for two years. And so that's a, that right there is a big decision. Um, luckily since I was a kid, I knew that that's something I wanted to do. And so I powered through and, and, and did end up going and dude, that is, uh, that's, that's 90% responsible for who I am today. Uh, packing up all my belongings, taking no money, no nothing, and going down to the jungle of Bolivia and Brazil and knocking on mud uh, shacks and teaching people about, you know, uh, Jesus and God and people who don't, they've never heard any of this before. And it's not that they, not that we're really changing a lot of people's, you know, religious beliefs, we're giving them religious beliefs. They're, they're finally learning that all this stuff makes sense and where they came from and where they're going. And so that, that right there is a big deal for a 19 year old kid to go forget about everything and go worry about. I was genuinely, I, I was a mess. I was just a puffy face, you know, just scruffy looking 19 year old kid. Cause I didn't care about the, myself. All I yeah. cared about was the work. And that's how most, most missionaries get. If you're a good missionary, you'll see, they just get lost in the work. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta jump in because there's a similarity here, guys, success leaves clues. So first off, I don't want any DMS from someone tell me I'm promoting a religion or, and I thought you were a non-denominational yeah. Christian. Now you're promoting this. I've had Muslims, Jews. I've had every faith on my show. I've had people that are, are agnostic and atheist. The lesson here, guys, is this. Dave went through an experience young that he chose to do, by the way, that was completely service-oriented. This is the lesson. Ed Milet, mine was different. My old man comes home from an AA meeting, and my old man gets me a job at an orphanage. So my form of a mission, my form of sacrifice as a young man was at 21 years old with orphan boys for the years that I spent there. That transformed me. It transformed me rather. I went from being someone ego and selfishly driven to falling in love with service of other people. Dude, that's and awesome. I didn't know you did that. That's really cool. I just feel like there's such a gargantuan lesson. And it's one of the things that's so wonderful um, that I respect so much about the churches. They ask for sacrifice from young people early in their lives and i don't think enough parents are asking their children to sacrifice in the service of other people early enough and you're sowing into your children a disadvantage later in life if you're a young person listening to this and maybe you haven't found happiness or peace of mind or your purpose find somewhere you can serve unselfishly for people and i believe it'll begin to turn your life around this is a part of the interview everybody where you send this clip to people you know that have young people that are struggling or young people Absolutely. that you know about. There's so many winners that I know who did something young early in their life in the sacrifice, their own personal time in the service of other people. One other little element of the church I'd like to talk about that might surprise you that I know about, but everybody listening to this for the most part wants to raise a great family. And one of the things the Mormon church does, I believe still, is what they call family home evening. And I've adopted this, price surprise I know all this, but wow, that's awesome. family, and I think this is a lesson anybody from any faith can garner from you. So what is it, and why has it been so powerful for you and your family? So family home evening in the church, obviously, is something that the church, the church asks every family um, in the world 
on Monday nights to make it a priority to spend time together and talk, learn, you know, it didn't have to even be church lessons. It's just, you know, let's, let's learn how to balance a checkbook, you know, this family night, whatever it is. And it's basically an opportunity for the family to just get together and open up different lines of communication rather than I'm hungry or do your chores or do this or do that. It provides an environment where as a kid, I used to be able to think like, oh man, like now's probably the time I can ask my you know, dad, did Jesus really walk on water and these different things? And it's not a, it's not a weird time to ask it. So for us at family time, you know, family home evening is rough because I'm a busy guy. I'm all over the world, you know, all the time with our schedule. And so, um, we've learned that we have to make family night happen when we can. And it's still just as effective as if it were, you know, every Monday night, if not more effective, because we're getting it in at times when, um, you know, my kids are young. They're impressionable. The family needs this time together now. And if we were to overlook this stuff, I know that in a few years from now, I'm going to be thinking, man, I really wish I would have taught my daughter this, that, and you know, all these, all these different key principles. I don't want her to learn that stuff anywhere, but at home. Yep. So regardless of your faith, everybody, why did I want Dave to speak to this? Regardless of your faith, I think having a priority where you gather your family for an hour or two hours on a consistent basis, you'd say, well, obviously, no, as busy as the world is, when's the last time, like three weeks in a row, you and your family got together and talked? What are your goals? What do you have planned? What are you working on? What are you excited about? What are you grateful for? Right? Decide your faith time. I think it's a structural, awesome thing that you do that people that coach, people say, um, a lot of my uh, people that ask me for advice are like, ah, well, we're, uh, you know, we're a split family now. We've been divorced. If you're on good terms, if you are, how powerful would it be once a month for you to have a family home evening where both parents are with the children for that one evening for two or three hours and you spend time, even if you're no longer married? Huge lesson. Listen, more and more what's going on in the world, the outside distractions. You need a family that's strong. You need, and by the way, what's your system for your strong family, right? Everything needs a system. I want a strong family. Great. That's a great thought. It's a great belief. What's your system? Name me three things you do to have your strong family. You may say, well, we go to our church every Sunday. Wonderful. That's an awesome thing for you and your family. Celebrate that. Is there anything else? Could you take advantage of just a scheduled evening that you do once a week? It, it, you know, 50 years ago, people did it almost every night, right? right. They're everyone at dinner together. Everyone sat around the table. Everybody talked. Now you got to schedule it. So awesome stuff. Okay, next thing. I want to go back to this self-confidence thing with you. You kind of do this checklist deal. Yeah. Right. This... Guys, this is like get your pen ready type thing. So what does that mean? Like, and, and, and is it something you like officially do or is it just a thought process? So it's funny you should ask. I'm sitting in my helicopter obviously right now and I've got, uh, this is my, my checklist, all right? Oh, yeah. This list right here, I have, to ch I have to like systematically go down it and check off every item before I can put this thing in the air. Because if I don't do that, there could be one dumb little switch on here that I miss that could ultimately end up causing me to crash or cause issues or whatever. And so uh, they say that, you know, checklist items are written in blood. They're on there for a reason. If somebody died because they missed it before. And so that's why, you know, following a checklist, I, I had a podcast, um, you know, called heavy checklist because it's all about giving very simple, basic marching orders. This checklist right here, Ed is not hard to read. It's just read the line item, go over and do the task. But I think we, we overcomplicate things so much and people start looking like, what's the risk and what's my, what's going to happen and how, what happens if it doesn't go the way that it's supposed to? Don't worry about that. Just follow one step at a time and give yourself a systematic process to be able to move ahead. I think in this day and age, 
the hardest thing to do for our generation is hard things. We don't like to do hard things. And, and in not doing hard things, we are telling, we're basically evolving backwards. We're, t- we're telling our bodies, it's okay to be comfortable. You don't have to be uncomfortable. You don't have to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is hands down the most powerful tool that we have. And what that means is, you know, every morning I get my ice bath because I'm a big Wim Hof guy. I love the breathing. I love that. I, I hate cold water. I like, I'm telling you, I hate cold water, but now every morning I crave it. My body thanks me for it. And it's something that I start my day off doing something really hard and miserable. And from there on out, everything else gets easier. So, Ed, I, I think that two things can bring people happiness, providing service to other people and working hard. I've never seen anybody unhappy doing those two things. I just, do you, I don't, have you? No, I, I, it's genius. I, this is a guy on my show named Andrew Huberman. And he said actually that he's tracked the dopamine in your brain. And it turns out that you actually get a greater dopamine hit when you're doing hard things than when you actually achieve something. Absolutely. So he's proven it as a neuroscientist. I think there's going to be a great book. Maybe I'll write it. That eventually someone's going to prove, and this is the most ironic thing in the world, as human beings, because we used to live in caves, right? I think as human beings, I think we think happiness is the absence and avoidance of pain. Oh, dude. The truth Couldn't is, be more wrong. The opposite. Happiness is found in the pain. That's yep. your happy zone. It's the crazy. I'm not talking about get into your comfort zone. That's where all the things are you want. No, I mean, deeper. I'm telling you, the absence of pain is a formula for no happiness. And the pursuit through pain is the pathway to bliss, to dopamine, to happiness. Isn't that ironic? That it's insanity. But I mean, if you think about it, it's so simple. If you don't know what pain is, how do you know what pleasure is? Mm. I mean, it's 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 a biblical concept, right? I mean, this is this is as old as time. But I feel like a lot of times we become so focused on just trying to become happy that we forget to be happy. Like it's like you said, you know, blissful dissatisfaction is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard anybody say ever. You should go, you should get the Nobel prize for that or whatever prize they're giving out. You should have that one because it's, I've shared that with more people than I can, than I can count because dude, it's so, it's so simple. It's so simple. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy, enjoy the ride. Just have like, it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's not always going to be fun and you're going to have to do hard things. But if you can just remember that the ride is probably going to be more fun than the destination, then you're going to have a really, really good life. That's so true, man. If uh, more and more science has proven, it's like, I think one place everybody can relate to this. If you've ever trained or worked out, obviously Dave certainly does. You ever trained or worked out, man, when you're just obliterating yourself in the gym, aren't you happy? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like it's some of the most physical pain you can possibly go through. And you're like, this is awesome. So that's a metaphor, right? Dude, I've, I have gone on hikes and up and mountain runs where I literally at the end of the run fall on my face. I can't even, I can't even catch myself. And I'm like in this euphoric state of bliss because I, I just did something really, really hard. And I think it's my body saying, dude, we did it. We can do hard things. Like what's the next hard thing that we can do? Like me and my body, we're a team, right? We got to, we got to approach things together knowing, okay, I think I can do this. And my body's like, well, I guess I can try to keep up. I mean, that's ultimately why I don't calculate risk very well because my body and, and brain are always just like, do it, just go. And then, and then you know, deal with the consequences, but man, it's stop trying to avoid 
trouble. Stop trying to avoid the obstacles. Go hit those obstacles and find a way to get over them. I promise you it's way more satisfying than hiding from them. It's you so know, like, I, this is becoming like a master class where I'm going to splice this into multiple clips, but I just got to add one thing because my show is kind of like two people talking. And I've been talking to my dad lately. My dad's in chemotherapy and, you know, he's fighting the good fight. And, but he's at that time in his life, I think, to some extent where you look back on it. And it's interesting, everybody, what Dave just said about do hard things. My dad's achieved and accomplished a lot of things in his life, and I know he's very proud of that. But he's also told me, I regret some painful risks I didn't take. And even if I had failed at them, at this stage of my life, I would look back with not regretting the effort of them. And I think, I think there's a lesson there, everybody, that even if you do fail, you'll live with less regret than if you didn't attempt it later in your life. And someone in my dad's stage, if he's got 20 years left or 20 months left, he would tell you that. And so Dave's not only right as a young man in the throes of doing it, and he's telling you this, and I'm telling you this, but you can ask somebody on the other side of life, and I think they would acknowledge and agree with him as well. Do hard things. I mean, Ed, look at, look at our bodies, for example. It's a great example. When you fall down and you bang up your knee and you, know, you start bleeding, do you bleed out forever? No, your body repairs itself. Your body says, no, nah, I can fix that. We're good. We'll get back up and get going. It's such a primal instinct. Even our bodies are designed to be broken down and hit and, and, and fail and smash and come back. And the body says, no, nah, we're good. We're going to keep growing. If our body's naturally doing that, why can't we do that with our brains? Whoa. Yeah, I've done man. a lot of shows, man. No one said that before. That's really good, brother. That is I mean, really you think good. about it. It's just basic. It's so basic. It's, it's, it's human nature. And I think sometimes, I think Ed, biggest thing is sometimes we just need to uncomplicate things. Just, just simplify, go do, figure out, and then, and then you'll know what to do next. You said you don't calculate risk a lot. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid all this is going to go away and you're going to lose it? There's got, is there something you're afraid of? I don't like dark water. I don't like, I don't like, like, for example, if I were to go down to the harbor, like San Diego Harbor around the, the piers and I have to go in the water at late at night and dangle my feet down there and don't know what's there, forget about it. That's like the only thing. And, and crabs. I don't like, I don't like crabs at the beach. <laughs> Other than those two things, I'm good. Crabs and dark water at night. Yep. Don't you That's own it. an island or something somewhere? I do. I own a, I own a 3000 acre island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake, which is you do, you need to come see this because you step on this island and you step back into 1820 when the grave robber who was robbing graves in downtown Salt Lake got banished out there and it was his own Alcatraz. That's the last person who ever lived out there. No and so you are stuck in the Wild West and it's, it is the most hard place to live and hard place to build and hard place to keep equipment. But it is one of the most rewarding and cool places, I think, in the world because it's a private island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake and it's huge. So to do something like that means you're nutty like me and Andy are like looking at cool things all the time, right? And one thing Andy does, we do with each other, Andy Frisella, our mutual great friend, is Andy and I sell each other the dream regularly. Here's another little key, guys. We're like, he'll send me some property in, you know, Turks and Caicos or whatever and go, hey, dude, someday I'm getting this. I'm like, well, here, here's one in Fiji, you know. And dude, I just got the text from Andy 30 minutes ago saying – Dude, look at this property. It's right over the hill here in Park City. It's a five-minute helicopter ride for me. I mean, that guys like you, guys like him, are the people that I surround myself with because you get me pumped up into thinking things like I can do things that I probably shouldn't be able to think I could do, but I can now I can do them because you told me I could believe in it. That's exactly it, guys. Next layer. 
you got to have people around you who are selling you the dream and you're selling it for them. And if you don't sell it to yourself, like you don't end up with a 3000 acre Island, at least it's on a radar to consider at some point. You're a crazy person. If you do that, you're literally yeah. a crazy person in the best possible way. Another little layer, and I'm always selling myself the dream. Friends of mine sell me the dream. Hey, look at this. What about that? You could do this. I'm sending Andy jets from time to time, yeah. you know, and it's not all by the way, uh, material things. I have other friends where I'm like, Hey, look what these guys just did in this mission work they just did in Mexico. Cause my other yeah. friends aren't inspired by it yet, but I'm selling them the dream that, Hey, maybe we could fund that mission trip down there. So another layer of this is, is huge. We're going to run out of time and I don't want that to go. Do you, you do not worry. This is all going to go away. The show people knowing you, you don't fear that that's not in there with the dark water. No, it can go away tomorrow and I'll get it again the next day. I mean, that it's one, <laughs> the best part is once you've had success, now everything's compounded. Think, things, things begin to compound. So if I had to go start over again tomorrow with nothing, well, all the years of failure have built me this nice little like, you know, nest egg of experience and, and it's all compounded on top of itself. So everything, if I had to start over, would happen so much faster because I don't have to make all the same mistakes that I made before. I already have this knowledge. I, I, I have this information. But man, I just, it's not going to happen. I mean, as I, I know as, as truly as the, I'm looking at the sun right now, like if I don't want it to happen, it's not going to happen. If I want it to happen, it's going to happen. If you can have, if you can wake up in the morning and look yourself in the face in the mirror and just say, I'm going to do literally anything I want today and I can do anything I want today. And you actually truly believe it. That's a powerful thing. And I can tell you, I got, I don't know when or how that happened to me, but it happened years ago. And you know, people look at me, the hardest part about this being so confident is having a wife because when the wife asks you to do something and a guy like you says, I can't do that. My wife's like, well, that's, that's horseshit because you can fly to the moon if you want to. And so don't tell me you can't get away for a piano recital or whatever it is. And so I'm just like, all right, touche, you got me. <laughs> Let's do it. And so, I mean, Ed, that's the biggest things I can tell you as far as, you know, parting words for, for your listeners is start to embrace hard work, like learn to love hard work. And, and maybe you're going to hate it, but you're going to love yourself after you do it. Do hard things. Put, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. I honestly think that I know depression and uh, mental illness is, is a huge, huge, huge problem all over the world. But I also believe that something that could put a big dent in that epidemic is if people would just make themselves uncomfortable. And just because you can't be, you can't, you can't be in your head having anxiety and having a mental breakdown while you're shoveling, you know, a hole with your bare hands. You just can't, your brain doesn't allow you to do it. You're, you're in a, a state of stress where your brain says, no, we're working right now. We don't have time to deal with that bullshit. And I just feel like if people wow. would take the time to do the hard things to make themselves uncomfortable and, you know, on top of that, worry about making sure their neighbor's okay, worry about if the guy that they just passed on the, on the side of the road might not have a ride coming to get them. Do those little things, man. I, do, I don't know how it would be possible to be sad. I just don't. What tremendous advice. And by the way, if you have a tendency towards depression or worry or anxiety, it's always happening when you're sitting still. It's always exactly. when you're not active. It brings it on. Hey, guys, by the way, Dave, unbelievable conversation. And like – Maybe the fastest flow-by interview we've ever done before. Maybe it's because you're in a helicopter. But <laughs> anyone that's watching this sees this. But if you listen to some of the keys, Dave, you, and guys, by the way, guys, go follow Dave on Instagram. 
you know, check out his show. We'll put that in the notes. But I want you to remember this, guys. When you just listen to as a man in his helicopter, the view is unbelievable. If you're on audio, just trust me. This man grew up, his parents made his clothes. Yeah. He lived in a VW bus, guys, and he's able, and he's a young man, and he's been able to turn his life into something miraculous. And we gave you the five to six, seven, eight keys today that developed the life he's got for himself. You want to show us? Can, just do a quick walk around here for you. So okay, for this you, is uh, – See this. Look at this This bag. is the helicopter here. Um, this is the Red Bull helicopter. This one does backflips. I just learned how to do backflips in it uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, this is my backyard. You go down this ridge line and it goes right into the backyard of our new house that we just built. And there's the island out there, way out in the middle of the Great Salt Lake. There's downtown Salt Lake. I mean, this is all, guys, this is, this is, a, this is, this is just a dumb kid who thinks he can do anything. So. Unbelievable, dude. You fired me up right there. That going. That was awesome. Hey, guys, from a VW bug, mom and dad are doing car stereos and pizzas, making his clothes to what you just saw or there, and you got the lessons from it today. God bless you, man. That was so good. You, Thank you, you, I, you exceeded my expectations. I kind of – I knew it was going to be awesome. It was so good. I just flew by. Guys, max out two-minute drill on Instagram every day. When I make a post, 730 Pacific. I do it every time, 7.30 Pacific every day. If you make a comment within the first two minutes, so your notifications need to be on, or you just comment on all five posts I make every week, just comment anytime every day and reply to comments. I pin the top three comments every day now, so you're getting notoriety and followers. And we pick a winner every single day that wins a trip to come see me, max out tickets to see me speak, gear, they meet my guests, fly on the jet, all kinds of interaction, coaching call with me, things of that nature. So follow me on Instagram. Turn on the, your notifications for the two-minute drill. Dave Sparks, thank you so much. Awesome interview. Thank you, brother. And max out, everybody. This is The Ed Milet Show.